Good morning. It's good to see you here today on this crisp spring morning. A couple of reminders. First, if you plan to purchase an Easter lily, you need to do that by the deadline, which is tomorrow, I believe, March the 31st. And, it's, and then after that, I think the orders are cut off. So if you, want, if you haven't purchased Easter lily and want to, you need to, uh, I think there's a little thing in the bulletin. And you can also let the office know. A reminder that confirmation class is in the social hall this today at 4.30. It's important that you're here. We've only got a couple sessions left before our Easter break, and then you go to your retreat. So I'll see you at 4.30. This coming Wednesday is the supper at 6. Uh, I think the menu is tacos. And then last, but very important for the children, next Sunday, which is the first Sunday in April, we will have Library Day instead of the usual third Sunday because that's Easter Sunday. So we're going to have the Library Day next Sunday, first Sunday in April. Mark your calendars, parents. Okay. All right. Let's begin our worship together. Lord be with you. Let us pray together. O oh God, our deliverer, grant God now the people of your church that fallen our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. 
Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. and affirm in our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated. Let our children, young minds come forward at this time.
Good morning. How is everybody? Are you good? One thing that I have loved all my life and I still love is music. Do y'all like music? I know a lot of you do because you come sing with us on Sunday nights, right? Well, I love all kinds of music, but I really love hymns like the one we just sang about Jesus. My grandfather had a lot of those hymns memorized, and I loved learning those from him. So one of my favorites is actually the one we just sang, To God Be the Glory. Isn't that, was that a good song? Did y'all listen to the words of that song? I love that hymn. Um, another favorite um, is All the Way My Savior Leads Me. I don't know if y'all know that one or not. And then another one that I really love is Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Have y'all ever heard that old hymn? That's one of my favorites, too. You'll have to listen for it and see if we sing that one Sunday. Well, these three songs that I mentioned have something in common, and it's that they're written by the same person. They were written by a lady named Fanny Crosby. Have you ever heard of Fanny? No? Well, when Fanny was six weeks old, she got an eye infection. So she was a tiny baby when she got this eye infection, and her regular doctor was not in town. So someone else treated her for the eye infection, and he was actually posing as a doctor and gave her the wrong treatment. So in a few days after she received that treatment for her eyes that had the infection, she became blind. If that happened to me, I think that I might not have a very good attitude about that. What do you, how do you think you would act? Would you kind of be upset if that happened to you and you could no longer see? Yeah, I kind of, I'm afraid that that's the way I would act. Well, Fanny was actually completely opposite from how I think I would act. She was never bitter, and she never felt sorry for herself. And when she was only eight years old, she wrote this poem. It says, Oh, what a happy child I am although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I am blind, I cannot and I won't. Isn't that a great attitude to have? Isn't that pretty amazing that that was her attitude to not being able to see? So instead of being bitter and feeling sorry for herself, Fanny made the decision to use the gifts that God had given her to glorify him. And she wrote over 8,000 hymns and poems. Is that awesome? Isn't that a lot, 8,000? Well, one day Jesus was talking and walking with his disciples, and they passed a blind man. When they saw him, the disciples asked Jesus who was to blame for this man being blind. Was it because of something he had done wrong or something his parents had done wrong or a sin he had committed? And Jesus answered them and told them that no one was to blame. He was blind so that God's works could be shown in him. Then Jesus healed the man, and the people praised and glorified God for his goodness. Well, what about Fanny? God did not heal her blindness. Perhaps if he had helped her, she wouldn't have written those 8,000 songs and poems that we enjoy. And the world would have never known the gifts that Fanny had. So she used her tragedy in blindness to glorify God. And I think that if we all did that, if tragedy comes into our lives and turn it around and use it to glorify God and do something good, wouldn't that be a better world and a better way to act? I definitely think so. So bow your heads and close your eyes and pray with me this morning to ask God to help us do just that. Dear Lord, the difficulties in our life seem small when compared to what others may be facing. Help us not to grumble and complain, but to praise and glorify you instead in every situation. Amen. Our first scripture lesson is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 
8 through 14 on page 1822 in your pew Bible. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. 
Let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Almighty and most merciful God, you have come among us and chosen the least of us to be heirs of your eternal life. We offer our praises to your holy name. You revealed your will to the prophets and apostles that we might perceive your mind for us. Thanks be to you, O God, most high. We are born blind to your grace, yet you come to us in baptism and wash away the scales from our eyes that we may see you. But we must confess that we too often fail to acknowledge your gift. We rather cling to our own ideas and prefer to remain sightless rather than to risk being made new. And when we're faced with the reality of your presence, we fail to receive you in faith trying to find our own understandings and our own ways in the world. And when we do this, we deny you. And, oh Lord, we pray that you would have mercy upon us and forgive us, that you'd pour out your light by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may see clearly what you have revealed, that you would give us strength to do that which is good and right and true, and that we may bear the true fruit for which we were made. O oh Lord God, as Jesus taught and sought the outcast in all that he did, so guide us to the same. Give sight to those who are blind, that they too may believe and give you praise. Receive into your care those whom we have named in our prayer list, those that we name before you now. Heal them and restore them to wholeness. Hear us, O God, not because we have a right to ask these things, but because we come in the name of the one who is the light, which came down from heaven, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior, who taught us when we were together to say this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We United Methodists believe that giving is an act of worship, so let's continue our worship as we receive our tithes and our offerings.
please be seated. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And actually the story goes all the way through chapter 10. So I commend all that to your reading today, but I'm only going to read a few verses. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he then spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, help us in our own blindness to see what you'd have us to hear and to believe and to know this day. We pray in your name. Amen. You know, being able to see is a a good thing, I I think we'd all agree with. A few years ago, I was uh, serving uh, in this particular charge, and one of our members had for a long, long time suffered from really almost total blindness. And something had changed. Some events had come about. I'm really not sure now what it was, but she ended up going to a surgeon and had some surgery, and afterwards she could see a whole lot better than she could see before. She still didn't see see it good as we can, but she could see a whole lot better. And I remember going into seeing her, and when I came in, she said, Who are you? And I said, well, I'm Pastor Joseph. I'm your preacher. She said, oh, no, no. She says, you're too fat to be my preacher. (laughs) I think I liked it better when she couldn't see too good. You You know, in life, some things are useful and others just aren't. You know, what's going on in this scripture today is really a whole lot more than just about sight and whether or not we're blind or not and whether or not people... Uh, can have their sight restored or not. It is really and truly more about assigning blame. Trying to determine who is to blame for someone else's misfortune. And that's exactly what the, or is on the disciples' mind with their question. And it's what many people do every day, I think, in life. In fact, it's almost a, a national sport, I think, to, to look at someone's misfortune and to ask all those questions you know, who's at fault? Uh, what caused this problem? Who sinned? And to say such righteous things like, well, it's very unfortunate, but if that family only knew how to budget better, they wouldn't be in this mess. Or, or if that person just realized what he was doing, he wouldn't be in that situation. Assigning blame for someone's misfortune is really a, a something we like to do. It's, it seems to be deeply ingrained in our hum, hum, humanity. Now, diagnosis can be important. Anyone who's ever gone to the doctor knows that, but, but diagnosis by itself accomplishes nothing, you see. Diagnosis without action accomplishes no thing. And so what's important in this scripture is to realize that trying to find the cause of a situation is really not very helpful. And Jesus, I think, clearly interprets the scriptures. Uh, He reinterprets. One of the things Jesus did for us all, thank goodness, is he reinterpreted a whole lot of the Old Testament scriptures that had been misinterpreted through the ages and and some of the ideas that had come out of it. One of the things that Jesus does is that he, he clearly acknowledges that sin causes 
problems and sin has consequences. But Jesus made it clear that not all things are the result of human sin. Despite, though, the evidence of their eyes, the other characters in this story, which you would read if you continue and read some more of the Scripture today, I've been trying to do that, trying to encourage you to read more Scripture. I think if I leave part of it out, you may have to go to the Bible this afternoon and figure it out. But you will see that not only did the authorities get it wrong, the neighbors got it wrong, even his family got it wrong. You will see in the rest of the Scripture there that there's a whole lot of folk who are either half blind or cannot see at all, even though there's nothing wrong with their sight. They're just interested in blame. They're just interested in assigning blame. They're not interested in helping and healing and hoping the things that Christ brings to every situation. And that, my friends, is very sad. And because of that, you see fear and anger and disbelief. And yet, throughout this whole Scripture and this story, this poor man who was born blind, who now has his sight restored, he is questioned, he's attacked, he's finally excommunicated by the church. And which is all very important for us to hear and to see and to understand, I believe, this uh, fourth Lenten Sunday. You see, not everyone will respond to the action of Christ in either their life or someone else's life. Not everyone will agree with God's grace in the face of sinfulness or God's grace in the, in the face of a tragic situation. Now, as I said before, part of the problem is in Old Testament times, people had been taught that all sin and suffering were linked together. So, the question came out of that thought process. Who sinned, Jesus? The parents or him that he's blind? But you see, Jesus makes it clear to us there and other places in the Scripture that suffering is not always directly traceable to personal sin. And even where it is, where, where sin has led directly to suffering in a person's life, Jesus makes it clear that our response should be like his response. Our response should be the same as His, which is to be about the work of God. Which is to be about compassion and forgiveness. You see, sin is simply a symptom or a sign, if you will, of the need for God. It's a sign of the need for the healing power to be manifested in the situation. And this is exactly what Jesus is telling the disciples that day and us. And that's why Jesus says, we must do the work now while we can. You see, Jesus' work, a disciple's work, the work of God, is a work of liberation. It is a work of liberation from sin, from sinfulness and the consequences of sin. And to liberate someone from those situations, you need to offer them compassion, healing, and forgiveness. And that's the work that Jesus is describing. And that's the work He wants His disciples to do. You know, everywhere you go or look or read, or you, you will find that we are surrounded by people who live in worlds of blame and suffering and blindness that binds them to sinful lifestyles and to sinfulness and prevents them from living in the freedom that God wants to bestow upon them, living in the freedom of His grace. And the good news that we have that we need to share is that this suffering can be overcome. That our victory is the victory that Jesus brought to us, and that same victory can be brought to others. Yes, we suffer. Jesus suffered as we do. Yes, we die. Jesus died as we did. Yes, we are buried. Jesus was buried as we are. But Jesus rose from the grave conquering the effects of sin and death. 
And that new life is available to all. It's available to everyone. In the children's sermon, you heard, heard, her, heard Katie refer to Fanny Crosby, who, who wrote that Blessed Assurance hymn, which is one of my favorite hymns. And, uh, and she, she was a, she's a great example of this. Someone who could have been, could have been so bitter. Her blindness was caused by a sinful person posing as a doctor. And yet she was able to write at, at, at a young age, eight years old I believe it was, that, oh, what a happy child I am. How many blessings I enjoy. To weep and sigh because I am blind, I cannot and I won't. You know, she lived a long, long life and she did write hundreds of songs, many of them in our, our hymnal. But the question, who was at fault? Who's to blame? These questions really matter not in the light of how her life was lived and how she's touched so many lives and how many lives uh, have, been, have she touched and how many people touched her life. This que these questions are really useless questions. And yet we, send to, we want to hang on to them. We want to cling to them. We, we want to do this. And we need to let it go. Now we need to realize that the works of God are difficult. They're hard that Jesus wants us disciples to do. It requires us to get into the muck and the mud sometimes. Think about Jesus. He had to make a little bit of mud. had to make a little mud pie. Anybody remember making mud pies when he was a kid? He had to make a little mud pie there and rub that, rub that salve, salve into that man's eyes. But see, and that was dirty work. He had to get his hands dirty. He didn't just snap his fingers and say something. He, got, he had to work. And we have to do the work. And it's sometimes dirty work to bring people into liberation, into the place of liberation. Fault and blame can easily be assigned, but that's not what is needed. What is needed is for people to move on. If there's someone in your family or friends, the first thing they need to do is move on. They need to allow the work of God to be made manifest in the situation. And the way we make it manifest in the situation is we move along and move on too. We don't stay clinging to our bitterness. Jesus calls us to overcome the blame, to overcome the bitterness just as he did on the cross. What a great example to look down at those and to forgive them. To look to the left and the right to those criminals that were hung beside him. They both had equal opportunity for paradise that day. One accepted, one rejected. One wanted to hang on to the bitterness you see, one wanted to hang on to the blame. You know, in the last couple of, well, like two or three Sundays, I've, I've offered um, several examples of, of things that are personal and personal in my own life and my own walk in, with the Lord. And I will tell you, that the thing that, has he that held me back for so many years, the thing that holds us all back, I believe, from experiencing the healing power of God in our lives and moving forward is this attachment to blame. This attachment to blame. This, our fondness for bitterness. Our, uh, our, our belief that nothing ever will change and God really can't change anything and I'd just rather wallow here in my self-pity. But you see, my friends, that once, and I can't tell you, I wish I could tell you, I wish I could say, point to one particular thing 
that caused me to realize that that's what I was doing, but I can't, but I can look back and tell. When I was able to give away bitterness, when I was able to give away the blame for things that had happened, I was able to move on. And when I I was able to move on, I was able to experience the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was able to look at people in a different way. I was able to look at people and think, I don't know what's, what they're going through. I don't know what's, what it's like to walk in their shoes. I, yeah, it looks from the outside that, man, they've made a mess of their life. But I don't know what's been going on. And what I need to do is to love them. Not to blame play the blame game. But to try in whatever way I could to show compassion and offer forgiveness. My friends, no body, no one in no situation is more powerful than God in Christ Jesus. No one's sin, no one's failings, No bitterness, no blame is more powerful than God in Christ Jesus. Christ's love can overcome everything. And He can overcome your blindness and my blindness. And He can bring salvation to anyone, anywhere, anytime. They don't have to see very clearly. Even to us who are prone to wander, off into sin, which I have been right there. The Lord says, stop assigning blame. Do the work that's before us. Get your hands dirty if necessary. All this is so that God will be glorified. God will be glorified as His will is manifested in the life of each one. May God's grace abound this Lenten Sunday. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen.